Where's the booze? All right. Regular hot dog card in here, huh? I guess I was probably returning videotapes. When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! Hello there. Ooh, that's a bingo. Get away from her, you bitch! I don't have it. Screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome to a very delayed and new episode of Reviews and Brews. We're your hosts. I'm Ken. And I'm reverse, reverse Benjamin Button Brad. <laughs> it's been a long time, hasn't it, Brad? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. You're a little more wiser, a little more grayer. Uh, every day, man, I get grayer. Well, today's going to be a fun episode because not only are we going to be talking about a movie, but we're actually going to be talking about the movie with the film's producer. Ooh. I know, right? It's going to be sexy. It's going to be hot. It's going to be just right there in your face. Just steamy, steamy TMZ news. Are you ready? If you think you're ready, you should fill these nipples. Oh, my God. I can see them right through my screen. That's right. We're going to be talking about Orphan Kills. Or wait, Orphan First Kill? What the hell is the name of this movie? Just start it have... over. Just take it from the top. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Point being is Orphan First Kill with the producer, Ethan Irwin. Roll the thing, Brad. I think something's going on with Esther. Is there anything you want to tell me about your time away? How is that possible? Four years ago, she was still drawing stick figures. Esther's behavior has been so erratic. Hello, Mommy. Thank you, Mommy. I know, Mommy. I did notice some inconsistencies. <clears throat> what are you getting at? To me, it felt like a performance. If you're not Esther, who are you? All right, we're back. It's been a long time, as you can tell, Ethan, because I don't even know how to do an intro anymore. So, you know, we waited for you to come on here for me to fuck the whole thing up. That's fine. That's fine. I, I hope to do likewise. <laughs> yeah. You know, stutter over words, get a little drunk. Somebody might like expose themselves, you know, just real high, highbrow uh, podcasting yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, does everybody have a beverage aside from Brad? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, as everybody, it's just me and Ethan drinking. So yes. apparently we're not buzzed enough yet to, to get this going in a smooth manner. It's nah, been a hot yeah. minute. <laughs> it's been a hot minute, dude. I have to I have to be honest. I think we haven't podcast in two months. We've been like adulting super hard. Why? Did you say something happened? Did you end up doing something? Well, Ethan, thank you for asking for this non-scripted moment. <laughs> yes, I got married. I did get married. Not to Brad, but well, yeah. how oh, oh. Well, still excited. <laughs> yeah. Regardless. No, me and my longtime lady, uh, we finally tied the knot. It was fun. It was amazing. Brad was there. He wore a suit. I did. How I actually dressed up. What? Congratulations, by the way. That is really exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Brad said some nice things about me, which was the first time and probably the last time. So I appreciate it. Oh, that. yeah. Hopefully the last. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I was, yeah, I, I was seeing, seeing those. Obviously, <laughs> I didn't get invited. But seeing the photos on, on the internet was really exciting. And I was really happy for you. I would have invited you and I wanted to invite you, but we had to kind of budgetary, you know? Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. But this, this is my gift to you. It's fine. <laughs> You're just your presence to talk about yeah, it. Yes, that's made. good. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> to just promote myself is, yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> I'll give you that platform. <laughs> 
but no, it's, it's been fun. Like the, the wedding was great and it's cool being married now. That's awesome. Thank you. I waited till my forties. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I know. Yeah. You, you had to be sure. You know what? Well, for every gray ball hair that, that came my way, I was like, you know, I think it's time. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you get enough and that's how you know. Well, it, you know, it started on one side, much like Brad's beard. It just kind of evened out in the end. So I was like, all right, it's time. It's time. Good. Time will do that too. Yeah. And your chin and your balls, or if you have a bald chin, either way it's happened. But uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's drink some beers. So I, I sent Ethan a little uh, care package, two of which the beers I felt kind of were just fitting since we're essentially talking about a horror thriller and it's spooky season right now. Um, I don't know which one Ethan decided to start with. What do you got there, buddy? Well, I tell you what, I started actually with, I started with this one, the, the Dr. Octobach, um, which is delightful from, uh, from paperback. And that I did not send you. That's one of yours from your fridge, huh? Are you fucking serious? Yeah. <laughs> start this again from the top. Start it from the top again. Turn it over. I have to go grab that. I, where, how is this possible? Where did this come from then? I have no idea. I mean, it's a cool ass can. Uh, it's very know. different though than I would say the other beers that I generally drink. So I don't know how that got in the mix. <laughs> I mean, it looks like the can art fits the theme of the episode. I mean, it, it does. Hold on. I'll be right back. Pause. <laughs> you don't have to pause, dude. I want to go get the actual one. You said. All right, you go get the actual beer. Do we need to pause? <laughs> no, hold on. So. I'm just turning my video off. That's all. Okay. <laughs> this episode is off to such a great Guys, start so far. Yeah. Let's just we'll just we'll do it all. We'll redo it tomorrow. It's going to be great. Okay. Here's what you actually sent me. Freaking self-entitled Hollywood types. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, Dankenstein's Monster Unfiltered Double IPA. Oh, I didn't realize it was a double IP. I'm gonna get, I want to get Ethan just shit faced during this episode. It's gonna be great. Also, Hop Show. Yeah, that's the Creep Show inspired one. Yeah. Yep. And can I tell you, this is not one you sent me, but this is one that I actually do uh, already got, and I think it's from Liquid Gravity. It's Pale from the Crypt. Oh, that's cool. Just, I don't even remember if the beer was any good, but the I just the, the can art was so exceptional. Yeah, that's kind of how I based it. Although I've had, I believe those two that I sent you, aside from the other six pack, are from um, Mason Aleworks, which we've had Grant on the show before. And yes. he always has bitch and can art. Uh, the Harry and the Hendersons one was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, his horror stuff is always top notch. It's always just, wow. There was a, um, I want to say there was a zombie like Return of the Living Dead one last season, but I didn't see it this year. Do you remember that one, Brad, with the zombies on the cover of it? Yeah, they had a, if I remember, Grant said something about it being a collab with some dude in Vegas and a bearded zombie, something like that. Yeah, something like that. That's what it sounds like to me. There is a thing that says beer zombie right here. That was the logo. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right here, right here on on Hopshow. Um, what, should I, what should I get into first? I just asked to start with a double. Oh, Jesus Christ! Not even gonna you know. Then right we can do. Then we'll do a gradual drawdown. It's fine. I, I'm 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 being just uh, a classy lady today. I've just got the. Uh, I'll take it out of my Chewbacca koozie because I'm an adult. I'm a married man now, and I can act like an adult. Yes. Uh, I just I'm just doing a Stone Buena Vesa. Oh, just wonderful. because it's light. And I also drank a shit ton of beers last night. Uh, Katie and I went out for date night. We didn't have the kids. So we went and got sushi, had some beers and watched Halloween ends. Sweet. I did. I did. I did two of those three things. Nice. Nice. Did you watch Halloween ends? I did. Do you like the movie Christine? Me too. <laughs> a lot. I'd rather yeah. watch Christine. 
It's so funny because it started out so strong mm-hmm. that, 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 that I, I, like, and it was, we, like, we had the best possible viewing experience. Like, so John Carpenter, this is in 2018, at Halloween, um, did a Halloween show at the Hollywood Palladium down near where we live. And it was him doing all his scores from all of his movies. And, like, and then also some original stuff, which we're like, okay, sure. Well, you know what? You're John Carpenter. Do what you want. But it was great. And, like, we, it was an awesome show. And then we're walking home and we go by the arc light, rip. Uh, and it, and they were sh- like, the show for Halloween was just about to start. We're like, let's go do it. Let's go watch that. And we had like, we, we thought the movie was awesome. And it was like also right around the time, all like the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. And he bore a uncanny resemblance to Kavanaugh and, and her to Christine Ford. And it was just, it was really satisfying emotionally to be able to watch that. Yeah. Brad and I refer to the 2018 film as kind of like the T2 of of Halloween yeah. films. Now it's gradually just kind of become a dumpster fire. I would say it actually is really following along perfectly into like, you know, a Terminator uh, Genesis and, and Dark Fate. It's like, yeah, actually, it's really, it's really actually you're not wrong. perfectly. It's kind of, yeah. It kind of angles that way, yeah. but you know what? That's not what we're talking about yeah. today because you're big time, buddy. You're big time now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Finally. At long last. Yeah, I mean, it's not just you and I playing action figures in your bedroom anymore. <laughs> That's You're right. Like, you, you've we still could, baby. We could. Yeah, yeah. It would be, I don't know how our wives would feel about that. Like, they could watch. Playing, leave us alone. Um, that just sounds yeah. like an intro to a really bad porno. Our wives can watch. I love that you're <laughs> saying that like there's not a fucking wall of Funko Pops behind you. Yeah, yeah exactly. You literally do have action figures in your bedroom. I'm looking at uh, th- those aren't mine. That's just for the set. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the aesthetic of the podcast. You know? They come it's down the second this thing ends. Right. I think it's actually just a picture. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a zoom background. I swear. Okay, good. Good. Uh, but no, since it's Halloween, this has actually worked out perfect because you just produced a horror film. Essentially horror thriller. I would say that the genre would be within that vein and it would be the sequel to orphan and let's talk about how you got into this i want to even say maybe potential franchise we don't know yet there's two of them now but you did get involved the original one correct uh yeah i worked on the original movie you know that movie came out in 2009 i think and yeah it was you know it was a movie that i worked on you know even in the original script uh for the first film you know, we got that um, and we were like, wow, this is so weird and twisted and crazy. And we hired this director, Jama Colette Sarah, who we had done uh, House of Wax with that he's gone on to do, you know, he, we, and we did, I've done two other movies. We like a movie called Nonstop with Liam Neeson. We did a movie called Unknown also with Liam Neeson and doing a TV series with him now, but he just directed Black Adam, which comes out. I'm not that I'm plugging Black Adam, but after you watch Orphan First Kill, go see Jama Colette Sarah's Black Adam. Um, we, we saw we went to Comic-Con uh, this this last one and and they uh, had a panel for Black Adam. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks fun. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I got my tickets. They, you know, they got an IMAX theater up here. I'm going to check it out. The Rock is magnificent in person, by the way. You can just feel that energy. I this isn't meant to be a name droppy thing, but I did have lunch with him one time with when we were trying to get him to do a movie. Uh, and he was super nice. And at the end of it, um, uh, he pretended to pick up a tab and then handed it to me, <laughs> which was great, which was really delightful. Uh, no, he was an awesome guy. I've, I, I, it was, it was great. And the way he, it's so funny. He, the way he has to, to maintain his diet, like he eats like every three hours, a very like specific combination of foods, but he had like, we met at a restaurant, but he brought his own food, which is fine. I mean, look, that guy's in better shape than I have been will ever be in my entire life. And, and, you know, it's probably because, 
because I because I because I do this. <laughs> Same here. I mean, I, I can't. I don't even resemble one of his arms in my full body. So <laughs> um, yeah, exactly, I, exactly. I, I don't even want to try. I mean, the dude eats like cod all day long. So yeah, gross. no, but he look, but it works. It works. The um. So so yeah. So we hired John McCallet, Sarah, uh, Vera Farmiga, and Peter Sarsgaard. We were the stars. Um, but the real kind of the real star of the movie w- was we had this huge search for this little girl uh, to play Esther, who is this. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I want to uh, spoiler alert for people that haven't seen Orphan or Orphan First Kill. We're going to spoil the movie. Like oh, yeah, yeah. This is going to be rife with spoilers. So if you yeah. want, feel free to feel free to click off now. Go watch the film. Go watch both movies. They're both on Paramount Plus is like 13 years old, guys. Jesus, but it's a great twist. The first movie has a t- tremendous twist, and I feel like we we did our best to match that in the second film. But the um, the but in the the original, yeah. So we we you know it had a great twist. It, it was you know just a really interesting dark horror movie, um, and we ended up casting uh, doing ca- a huge wide net for for who could be the little girl because it's very it's a vital role, and she has to. And now we're getting a spoiler territory. Convincingly, of course, be a child. But also later in the film, the reveal is she's secretly an adult and has to play that part just as well. And we, uh, we you know, we, we saw so many people um, and we ended up casting uh, this actress, Isabel Furman, who was like 10 at the time. And she is phenomenal in the movie. Like she's really, really good. And, you know, it was it was a fun experience. We shot the movie up in uh, in Montreal and in Toronto. And it was really, it was probably the first time I'd really been able to like be on set on a movie. So it was really cool. And, um, and the movie came out in 2009, was really well uh, regarded, became kind of a cult hit. Um, and throughout the years, people have always said, Hey, are you going to do another? I'm like, well, guys, here's another spoiler. She died at the end of the movie. Like in the original, the original uh, ending of the movie was sort of like how we ended this one. Originally, like the house is on fire. She walks out and like greets the authorities says, hi, my name's Esther. And they and while the when we tested the movie, it tested incredibly well. Except for everybody was like, "No, no, she has to die at the end." And so instead, instead, in the end, now she gets shot, kicked in the face, then falls into a pond and drowns. So I feel like we're like we really we went the other way. Instead of her, maybe we'll make a sequel with her. No, no, she's definitively killed at the end of the, of the film. Um, Dude, and so that's such a know. test screenings are so weird. Like yeah, <laughs> that, that that blows my mind. We, we went back and reshot it. We built like this is little, like we'd already established a pond. So we were like, all right, well, I guess, I guess she'll die in the pond. And we and, and, like originally again, like Vera Farmiga and her daughter who survived, you know, just end up getting away as the house burns down. And then in this one, <laughs> again, Vera Farmiga shoots her and then says, I'm not your mommy, bitch. And kicks her in the face, which is incredible. <laughs> and it's what the audience wanted. Um, and as it turns out, the audience is always correct. Uh, you know, you as, as much as you think, oh, well, maybe we'll do this more kind of interesting or to us interesting thing. You know, you never know more than the audience does. They will tell you what they want. And it is best to do that. Because I had movies that tested like 77%, which is not good. And then we reshot it and then it got up to like 95. So, hmm. so this was never intended like from the get go to be any sort of like horror franchise, right? It was, it was what no. it was. And it was kind of a one off. So I think. My question is, why wait so long? Because I mean, obviously, the the actress who played the the leading role, she's aged. She's in her twenties now, so it's interesting yeah. that you guys. Decided it's funny because I have not, I have not aged at all since you that film, fantastic. since the first movie. But but yeah, no, it, it was yeah, it was crazy. Well, and that was funny too because 
originally we were like, oh, well, we have to get a new little girl. And, and you know, we saw a few and we're like, ah, that doesn't seem right. And she then, and she was lobbying for the part, but we're like, but how can we do that? Doesn't, I mean, and then, and then after we saw a couple of kids, we're like, oh, no, it definitely has to be Isabel again. Like, she, she's right. She was correct to lobby for this part again. Um, it, we tried for a few years to make it. It took a little while. Um, you know, it's funny, even though the movie was successful, it wasn't such a runaway hit that they were like, oh, you know, it's an obvious, obviously you have to do what, and also, what are you going to do? Because, you know, she got shot and kicked and drowned at the end. And so we had an idea that came from David Leslie Johnson, who wrote the original and is a producer on this one. And he came up with the idea for this one. He went, he wrote Aquaman. He wrote like Conjuring uh, 2 and he's done a bunch of stuff. Um, and he came up with the idea that there, there was a really interesting documentary um, a few years ago that was about like a French kid or a kid who was a guy from France who pretended to be a kid uh, and like said he was kidnapped and came to America and like said, I was this kidnapped kid and I was taken to France, but uh, and that's why I have a French accent and, you know, and, uh, and kind of, you know, infiltrated this school. And so he's like, what if we did that with, with Esther and, you know, and really see some of the things we all hinted at in the, in the first film, like, you know, the prison, the, the kind of the mental, uh, institute she had been you know held at in Estonia some of like you know just her and the first family that that had found her and we were like oh that's a that is a cool way in but like you know the, the one of the things everyone remembers about the first movie is it had this awesome twist that at the end of act two you, you discover that this person who thought was a little girl but just kind of weird was actually an adult who is who goes around and like infiltrates families and ends up falling in love with the dad and you know then that never ends well and she ends up you know killing everybody um, but so like, what are we going to do? Like everybody already, we're going into the movie knowing that she, that she's like an adult. So how, what are we going to do? And he came up with a really stellar, you know, a stellar twist, which again, just stop now, go watch the movie on Paramount plus. This is a and, pretty big, pretty big spoiler. Pretty large, big spoiler for the movie. Bruce spoiler. Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you've seen it. I see. Yeah. You've yeah. already seen this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, well, I'll go back to say that before I get to the, 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 the super spoiler that, that, you know, going into the kind of the, how we got it off the ground, it was funny because we took it first to Warner Brothers because Warner's originally, we, we finance it and Warner's distributed. And they're like, yeah, we're like, really? They're like, yeah, well, when you're done with the movie, just let us know. We're like, oh, okay. And then we, and we shopped around a couple other places and ultimately we ended up uh, co-financing it ourselves with this company called E1, uh, which just got bought by Hasbro, which is weird. And now they're making only like Transformers movies. So we got an end of the wire on, on non-Transformers or Dungeons and Dragons movies. Uh, and they, uh, they came in and co-financed it. But they were honestly like, you know, I should say this, but like we'd gone to, we'd kind of gone to everywhere. And people were like, eh, I don't, I don't, think, it, I don't think there's enough you know, value in the title. Um, and so it was E1 and us co-financed it and we sold it to Paramount and it, you know, came out in 500 theaters and came out on Paramount plus, but it was, you know, for a while I was like, I was like, Oh, I don't know if we're going to get this thing going, you know? And that's by the way, it, how it works in Hollywood. There are things that you're like, this is a sure bet. And then, it, you know, there was a TV show we went out with not that long ago that I'm like, this is definitely going to sell hundred percent, nothing. And there's other stuff where I'm like, eh, I'll toss it down to the E third and you know, so many, we get a bite or something, let's do it. And then we're making that thing. So it's, you, you never know. And on this one, we're, you know, we kind of exhausted most of the, the avenues, I think, that we, how we thought we were going to get it done. 
Um, but then we ended up making it and it was, you know, it was really fun. We, um, we shot the movie in Winnipeg, Canada, which is a, a lovely town. I don't know if I talked about it previously. Um, it's the only place I've ever been where it's so cold that every parking spot has like a power outlet. So you can plug in this electric motor that goes, the electric heater that goes on your motor to keep the fluids like Jeez. fluid. <laughs> and like you, you have to do that because otherwise your engine will, you know, all the, the, the fluids will freeze up. They're so I was polite. like, wow. They're so polite in Canada. They're like, oh, sorry, it's so cold. Let me heat up your car for you. Yeah. It was, it was, I was like, why do you guys still live here? Like, I think once it was like a big railroad hub, but not anymore. I'm like, you know, I, mean, I understand at one point, like, and by the way, it's a lovely town and lovely people, nicest people you can imagine. Surprisingly really good food. Um, but like, you don't have to live there anymore. Like, I understand that once upon a time your horse died and you're like, oh, this is where I live. But you, you don't have to do that anymore. Like, you don't like in the winters, it is freezing and it, it snows from probably like November to April. And then in the then it's immediately summer and this massive lake that they have, which is normally just frozen, it, you know, unfreezes. And there's just these giant biting bugs that come from it. So, like, I just don't understand. They Anyway. But it's a lovely place to film. They have great crews. <laughs> and we, I've shot two things there. We, we did a movie called Seance. Um, and we actually used these. It was like supposed to be a girls' school in Seance. And we used that exact same location as the family's house in the Orphan. Um, it's, and, and a lot of similar actors. A lot of the same actors are in it, like in smaller parts. Um, but it was, a, uh, it was interesting casting the movie because, of course, you know, first and foremost, we cast uh, Isabel and, you know, figure out how we were going to do it which is, you know, sort of, you know, some digital effects, but mostly just in-camera stuff of, like, you know, she would, like, kneel down, or the other actors would have these giant, like, platform shoes that they were all, you know, they're all wearing um, to really create kind of, you know, the, the illusion that she is, is a, a 10-year-old child. When you told um, me that you guys were doing this movie, I was really hoping the whole movie she was just going to do that trick where she's, like, on her knees with the shoes. Like, like tiptoe like, style? No, you just, you know, like, is, is that the one with Gary Oldman? Yeah, older in the role of a lifetime, <laughs> or like John Leguizamo in uh, Moulin Rouge. Just yes, get on your knees and put shoes in front of you. That'll work. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was surprised. And you're like, yeah, I'm doing uh, the sequel to Orphan, and we're gonna have the original actor. And I was like, how? And I think the best way you explained it was you were gonna lure the rings at, do a lot of forced perspective stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's ultimately what we did. And it, it actually, you know, I think yeah. And there was some again, some kind of sweetening with visual effects but for the most part it was in camera and it, it looks really good she's awesome in it um and you know when it came time to cast you know who are the who's the family you know who, who are the kind of Vera Farmiga Peter Sarsgaard the unsuspecting family that adopts her um it was it was tough because you know we shot it during you know kind of the height of the pandemic and you couldn't and we we're shooting Canada um but mo you couldn't get anybody into Canada or if you did, you, you know, there was a, you know, a several week quarantine period. So it made it very difficult to try and like, and, and also people were just kind of afraid to travel at that point. So we were trying to figure out, you know, who to put in the movie. And then we went out to like kind of some obvious choices. It's supposed to be like an all American kind of suburban mom. Um, so we went to like Jennifer Garner and we went to, well, so we go to like Liv Tyler. And we, you know, we really liked the idea of Julia Stiles. But again, we were like, well, how are we going to, I mean, nobody's not gonna is gonna be able to travel. And then my wife Meredith was watching. A friend of ours had done a film called "This Is a Disaster," uh, or "It's a Disaster." Um, uh, this guy Todd Berger, and it was a really fun movie. And it starred Julia Stiles and David Cross and 
America Ferrera. It's a, it's a fun little movie for you guys to all check out. I don't know what it's currently on, but it's called It's a Disaster. It's, it's a delightful little, little comedy. Um, but they did like a, the cast did a little reunion, a little Zoom reunion uh, that Meredith was watching. And in it, Julia Stiles talks about how she now lives in Canada. Like she married a Canadian guy and, and they have, and their family is in Canada. And so it actually, we, we, that was like, that unlocked everything. Cause we'd already liked the idea of Julia, but we we're like, there's no way we can get her over there, but she was already there. And so um, we, you know, made her an offer, went back and forth a little bit and, uh, and she signed on and she's awesome in the movie. Like she's really she like, it's an incredible, like, I think people forget how good she is. You're like, Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, she's been in a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of great stuff, but like, she's phenomenal in the movie. Like she goes toe to toe with Isabel and, you know, and she plays now I'm in the spoiler territory. She, uh, you know, at, at the kind of the halfway mark, you're like, Oh, the, the reveal is that, you know, they're not kind of this innocent, you know, family and she's not this innocent mom. She actually, the reason that her little girl had gone missing and now Esther has, has seemingly returned uh, is because uh, she actually helped cover up the death of her daughter at the hands of the brother. And it's, you know, and, and it kind of turns the entire movie on its head. Um, and the whole second half is, you know, it becomes, you know, I think a really fun uh, kind of cat and mouse between the two of them. And it just, yeah. And if, and if we had had, you know, somebody else in the role, I don't know if the movie would have worked. But because we have Julia, it, it worked great. You did something kind of cool, whereas you you took Esther and made her kind of the anti-hero. Like you yeah. went kind of Hannibal Lecter with her. So you're, you're essentially kind of rooting for her. Um, towards the center the or the second half of the movie and uh I, I really like that twist i think the aesthetic of the first film is is very different and you kind of went totally bonkers with this one and and i mean that in a good way because it felt like watching a soap opera on meth i think that's what i told yeah. you last time after i watched it i was like this is a soap opera on meth and i love every second of that because you can only take something like this so seriously why don't you flip it on its head and make it just completely crazy? Yeah, yeah. no, and I, I think you kind of, in some ways, you have to, you know, you know, you know, lean into it a bit more. The first movie, I think, did a good. The first movie is kind of a much more, you know, gothic, serious horror film, and then it just goes kind of crazy right at the end. But here, because we already are starting at a place of craziness, knowing that she is this, you know, adult con woman who masquerades as a child. You're like, you, where do you go from there? And so, yeah, I think we, you know, w whether we consciously did it or not, we definitely leaned more into the camp and more into the kind of outrageousness of the uh, of it. And I don't think I was even fully aware because you know the movie that you that you read on the page versus what you even see when they're shooting it and in dailies and uh, versus what you end up with are all very different from each other or can be very different from each other. And I would say particularly this one, I think was funnier and far funnier than you know uh, i i thought when i read it on the page um, oh, she's and, well, she's in the car and she lights up the cigarette and she's got her sunglasses yeah. on she's driving around i, I cracked up star it was so ridiculous um but i like that you kind of uh, yeah. i don't want to say campy but you lean into that kind of territory yeah no no it definitely it definitely it goes it, it, it dances around that quite, quite quite a bit and definitely ventures into it from time to time but you know the writer is this guy david cogger he did an incredible job I think capturing what, what people really liked about the first movie and about that character. And as you say, yeah, making her kind of an anti-hero. Ari was like kind of an avenging angel that, you know, and then moving forward in the series, it's, they did the same thing, I think, with Freddy Krueger and with, and with Chucky, where really, you know, focusing everything around her and, and, and following her story. And 
you know, the movie has, fortunately, I think it's done, you know, the response is really good. What's funny is, because we, this movie was basically done for Paramount Plus, in addition to coming out in like 500 theaters, you know, we never tested it. We, it was one of those, we never, and I never even saw it in a theater until we did our little premiere, like on the Paramount lot. And it was, um, it, it's, it's wild watching with an audience. I'd never, I'd only ever seen it like on a computer or like if I, you know, plug the computer into the TV or whatever, like I'd never actually seen it like on the big screen. And it's funny when you see a movie like that and you're like, Oh yeah, I guess that we probably should. That's a little out of focus. And we could have fixed that, but you don't notice it when you're looking at a computer screen. No one will ever notice it other than, you know, people who made so it. You were able to have that disconnect though, as a fan because of being in the process, right? Like, so when you saw it in the, on the big screen, you're like, were you still kind of analyzing it and picking it apart? Yes. I, 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 you, know, you can never can't, uh, but it, it was nice though, because, you know, it got released in a few theaters, you know, here in LA. And uh, I was able to like on opening night, we went and like bopped around a few of them um, and watched it with an audience. And it was, you know, with, you know, seeing it with just regular folks, it's like, it's cool watching it with the cast and crew, but you know, everybody kind of knows what happens in it. And it's, you know, there's aren't, so when you actually watch it with people who have no idea what they're going to get. And like when that twist comes and like, it's one of the things that had we tested it, we probably would have, like lengthened that out a little bit because the twist people are still like gasping and laughing and like yeah. kind of cheering uh, uh, when the twist happens that the steps on the dialogue that comes, it explains things right after it. So we actually probably would have like, had we thought about it, like on a sitcom when you get a big laugh, you know, the actor just kind of pauses, waits for it to go and then they keep right. going. Um, we, you know, in, in movies, you know, sometimes you need that as well. Um, we should have probably d done that, but it was, yeah, it was really gratifying and it was, you know, to be able to, one of the theaters it played in was um, this AMC Burbank 16, um, which is actually one of the highest grossing theaters in the nation. Um, I guess because it has 16 giant auditoriums to fill, but it, uh, they were showing the movie and it, and it was doing so well that it, you know, they actually added like auditoriums for it. So it was really, again, incredibly gratifying. And, um, and that's also where we'd seen most of our movies during the pandemic uh, because you can rent out theaters at AMC. This has now become an ad for AMC, but you can rent theaters out at AMC. Not and a sponsor, not a sponsor, not a sponsor. And we hey, would do you that. Want a sponsor us. You can. Yes. AMC go for it. Yeah. Um, you know what they do? Make dick, dick jokes. Like yeah. nonstop. Like, but you know what? They got it. They got their whole MacGuffins bar there. So, you know, at the in various uh, theaters there. So I would say if you guys could get some kind of sponsorship from them, <laughs> you know, maybe think about it. Uh, well, I mean, but, just look at your yeah. press junket. You're doing your press tour with us, of all people. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> uh, but we, you know, to be able to go to like the same auditorium where we had seen, you know, a bunch of movies during the pandemic was kind of the, the prime place where we saw movies, and to see my movie in it, and see like you know the stuff I had worked on, you know, in a full theater where I had to sit in the front row because it was sold out, uh, was really great. It was really, it was really cool, and uh, it was it was a fun movie to work on. Um, you know, again, at times we're like, is this going to work? I have no idea. Like you see daily. Sometimes you're like, I don't know. And, uh, you know, it's just because it's sometimes until it's all put together, you, you don't know what the finished product is going to look like. But, is this um, your first sequel? I worked on the Sherlock Holmes too. I think that was the only other sequel I have worked on. But I mean, working on a project like, you know, actually being the, the kind of like antithesis of the beginning of the first one going like you, th this is actually, you're along for the whole ride so far. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 
So that that is cool. And and look, we're we're gonna try and do a third one. We we've got ideas. We're having a, a meeting with, with Paramount in a couple of weeks to talk about it. So you know, if they want to do it, the movie was incredibly successful uh, on Paramount Plus. It was their number one movie for it might still be, um, but you know, for at least a couple months. And um, I assume you know you know we're getting back towards you know getting back to Halloween that it's going to be you know getting a resurgence there as well. Yeah, I mean, between that and uh, that other movie with, uh, you know, the guy in the mask. Uh, yes, exactly. It's, it's the only two new horror films that are kind of like in the uh, zeitgeist of yeah. culture right now that are pretty big. Yeah, I mean, their Smile is doing really well, which, by the way, Smile is directed by this guy who was an intern in, for me in like 2010. He like wrote really? and directed that movie. Now, how many horror films have you done so far? Uh, I've worked on, I worked on a few. I worked on House of Wax. I worked on this one called The Reaping. Um, I've worked on I, I, one that I'm actually really proud of. It was it was a straight to video movie. Um, it was a movie called The Hills Run Red. Oh, I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah. With William Sadler and and um, yeah, it was directed by this guy Dave Parker. But it was a, I, it's a really fun movie. I feel like now the idea has been done in a few other things. But it was it was essentially about this kind of story, kind of lost horror film. It was supposed to be the scariest thing that you'd ever seen, and then you know rumors were things that the, the kills in it were real. And this one, you know, kind of film buff and his friends go out to try and search, you know, find it and find, you know, and, and ultimately come upon you know the creators of that movie and get kind of trapped in their own version of it. Um, it was really, it was really well done. Again, it was called Hills Run Red, and I was, you know, I was really happy with it. Um, and it, yeah, again, for a straight to video movie, it did well. For all of you who don't know what video is, video. Is a an old old the old VHS, but no, I guess this was on Blu-ray. But uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, so I worked on that, and 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 you know, and then Seance we did recently, uh, which wasn't my movie, but I contributed. Uh, and then this one, I'm again, I would, it was just so satisfying to watch, you know, with an audience and see you're like, oh, well, that really worked. And then other stuff that you, you're like things that I thought would be funny or would really like <laughs> the audience would you know get a kick out of. Just dead silence. Dead silence. <laughs> and then again, and then there's stuff that you're like, never imagined. Like, I always thought, yes, like that scene where she's driving and the, the song, you know, Maniac plays. You know, again, I thought people would like laugh at it, but I didn't think they would get applause. And it really, yeah. So it's 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 funny the things that you you think people will respond to. I when we talk about nice guys, I probably said the same thing. There's a scene in Nice Guys, it was my favorite scene in the entire script. I'm like, this is the greatest scene. And then like, you know, it played okay. And then the scene that I liked from the script that that ended up, you know, that we shot, that it was killed. It's it was amazing, and I was like, oh wow! I again, you just you never know from what you read on the page to what the final product is, um, how people are going to respond. So it was it was great, and it's funny because the first orphan was really scary, and this one we kind of focused less on it being scary and more on it being kind of just fun. I think there's maybe a couple like jump scares in it, but the first orphan is like is is I think really a, a scary movie, um, and I I think in the third one we're going to get back into it being you know it'll be fun, but we're definitely gonna have you know it's going to be more traditionally scary. Well, you kind of humanized Esther in this one too, like you kind of feel for her a little bit, and so that I thought that was interesting. You give her a little more character depth than just like this psychotic, um, yeah, uh, you know con person trying to take over this family i mean at the end of the day she's just trying to get laid it's all she just, wants it's all she's wanted in all the movies she people you know that sweet d why can't she find it i mean 
Maybe that's the next one. You guys do like a romantic slasher comedy. Why not? I mean, I we we are like, should we do one where she actually is finally happy, but briefly, and then that person probably has to get killed, and then like she goes for revenge. But like, it's weird, you know, because it's it it, it goes in some weird territory. Like the first movie actually has a scene. There's two two things in the first movie I'll talk about that it's enough time has passed. So one, and I've had enough now to drink. Um, <laughs> the there was a scene in it where you know and, and we have this in both movies where again she's an adult woman just in a younger body and she has a, a wrapping on, that she does around her body to like you know to, to make it so she, you can't see her breasts and so she's like you know more compact but we had a scene in the first one that we shot where she unwraps and you see her naked and we it was like the, the cg you know we digitally put the head of the little girl onto a woman's oh, body that would have been so off-putting i'm glad you guys did and that. i was like and and it was funny it was funny it was in the movie for a bit and in fact, when we were sending it, we had to go to the, the MPAA. Uh, now it's just the MPA. They rebranded to the MPA, the Motion Picture Association. It's the most Motion Picture Association of America. Um, but that's the ratings board and they're in Washington. And they have to see every film to give it a rating. And we ended up, we sent it, you know, this is, that was, this is 2009. So you literally get the cans of film and you carry it onto an airplane and you fly to Washington, D.C., and then you like go to their screening room and they watch the movie. But so we sent, you know, one of the, one of the post-production assistants. Um, and, you know, there was the real conversation. We're like, this isn't child pornography, but it could be misconstrued <laughs> that way. So, so just be careful when you're, when you're traveling that, you know, like if someone, you know, if someone was to see select frames, they might misinterpret what this film is and you could be in trouble. So, so he, but no, but it all ended up being fine. And so ultimately that scene, which was, it was a good scene because it was weird and gross and bizarre, but also the kind of culmination of the whole story. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was a producer on the movie and he's like, I don't like the scene. And we're like, yeah, but it's kind of cool and weird. You've never seen it. He goes, I don't like the scene. I'm going to take my name off the movie. If you put that scene in there, we're like, well, the scene's gone. <laughs> The scene's I mean, out of the movie. Well, was Esther's age over 25, that character? I'm just She's 30-something, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, that's probably 30, why. 33, I think. <laughs> but, you know, but again, it was weird. It was weird stuff. And then it was funny. There's a scene we were shooting. I'm sure she loves me telling this story. Um, there's a scene we were shooting with her and Peter Sarsgaard where she's sitting on the couch and comforting him. And this is where the she really... The seduction scene. Yeah. The seduction scene where she comes on to him uh, in the first film. And originally she was going to put her hand on his knee and her parents were like, I don't think we're comfortable with that. We're like, Oh, okay. How totally understood. What, you know, how would you guys like to do it? Like maybe they just have a blanket on his lap and she puts her hand under the blanket. We're like, you like that better? Way worse. They're like, you like that better? No, no, no. Like, yeah, we like it better. We're like, okay, whatever makes you comfortable. And uh, that's what's in the movie. And it's phenomenal. It's so much better than, than the other version. Um, and, and it's, and, and his reaction is perfect too. Like he really nails it. Uh, it, it's and yes, but she all that's all she really wants is to, to find love. There is a, a deleted scene, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be on the, the, the Blu ray, but there's a deleted scene in Orphan First Kill that was awesome, but it's just for pacing reasons. We ended up cutting it. There's a character who's like, he's like, uh, we call him Mousetrap Mike, it's actually the name of the character in the script, but it doesn't make sense because we don't have the scene in the film. So there's a scene where there's a party at the house in Orphan First Kill. Parents are away. The older brother Gunners, you know, the shitty, you know, Connecticut, you know, you, basically he is, you know, 
we, we, we have, not to bring it all back to Brett Kavanaugh. We're like, ah, hey, he's like young Brett Kavanaugh type. Um, You've got it really in for Brett Kavanaugh. This one, I didn't even write this. This is somebody else did this. I just, I was like, that's how he's written in the script. I'm like, oh, all right. Um, but I, I, but yeah, I mean, I don't care for that person too much. I, this is the, this is the only thing we have in common. <laughs> I like beer. <laughs> and and, and uh, there's a scene where this friend uh, who is shitty to her, you know, a couple times in the movie and makes fun of her. Uh, when he sees her, he comes in like the art studio where she's painting and he's got some liquor and like offers her some uh, offers her a drink, which is weird because he, you know, to him, this is a child. Right. And, and then she is like, you know, obviously we know she's an adult, but she you know has a drink with him. And then he starts getting kind of inappropriate and she ends up and it's and I and again, it's all it's probably good. We cut it because it, it, you know, it really walks the line. And, it, you know, and what, she's like, here, close your eyes. He's like, oh yeah, and then there's like a, a snap, and you see she has put a mouse trap on his dick, and what? And it's and it's like closed, and it's phenomenal. It's again, Did it's you incredible. Send that to us, I mean, I don't, I don't know where it exists. I must have it somewhere. <laughs> I got to save it because it, it's a great scene, and it's like you, you give the audience what they want. It's a you know, some it's a horrible dickhead getting comeuppance, um, but it just pacing wise at that point in the film, it was right before we would do the twist, and just felt like it was taking too long. Um, and so we cut it, but it exists somewhere. And that guy was is really good in the movie. I, I kind of think you should have kept that scene in there. I know. Again, we, we maybe it'll maybe it'll make its way into the third movie. That often happens where there's things you like the end, like the end of the original Orphan is basically what we did for the end of this movie. Is you know the house is burning down. She's killed everybody. She walks out and like smiles at the you know police and fire department who have arrived and looks like you know a little angel. Um, She's kind of like the cable guy. If you really that, think about it, that's exactly what we were going for. I'm so glad you finally said somebody said something. That's you really nailed it. You seriously want to be my friend? Yeah, I know. No, we're buddies. We're pals. That's what it feels like. She's kind of like the cable. Yeah. Guy. But yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, this is another question I have for you since you've kind of gotten yourself into the, the horror genre. Is there a specific, like, if you were to take over a franchise, is there a specific one that you'd want to kind of maybe reboot or like do a sequel to that you think that would be that you could make a little more interesting? I, we probably talked about both these films. Two that I've loved and just that are very meaningful to me. One is Tremors, which I feel like the first one came out back when I think far before you and I even met. It came out in like 1990. Um, it was a Kevin Bacon movie with the giant underground monsters. And it's an awesome movie because it is, it takes place pretty much all in the daytime, but it's scary, but it's also really funny and fun. Um, but it has, you know, effective jump scares and some good kind of gross out stuff. Um, and they made, I think, one or two good sequels, but they made like nine sequels that are like all straight to video. Well, in, a, in a pilot, too, that never got aired. They, uh... Well, okay, there was a series. Yeah, sci- okay, it's insane to me because Sci Fi had a series that had Kevin Bacon, the Tremors, a series, not Kevin Bacon, had Fred Ward. Fred Ward? Michael Gross. No, no, no. It was Michael Gross. Yeah. It was Michael Gross. Fred Ward is dead. We have Fred Ward. Um, had Michael Gross, and that was a real. It was really goofy, and just it didn't really work. And then they, yeah, then they Blumhouse shot a pilot with Kevin Bacon, and I am desperate to see it. Like it used to be, back when you know before everything was digitally sent back and forth, you would get any pilot that got made. It would be circulated. You get like a copy of it on DVD. So there's ra- I have so many random pilots. There's one I found the other day for this thing called Ultra, um, which it starred uh, Lena Headey, and it was like her as like a superhero in the. It was based on a comic book, I think, from from Image, but it was called Ultra, and it was just like her as it's like Sex in the City, but if she's also a superhero, 
never got picked up, but it's a fun pilot. Or like uh, Heat Vision and Jack with uh, yes. Jack Black and then the motorcycle that's Owen Wilson. It's yes, like that's Knight right. Rider meets Buck Rogers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I, I like. I feel like I, I wish there was a, like a, a repository somewhere online for all these pilots. Like there's another awesome one that, that Ronald Moore did um, after Battlestar Galactica that was for, um, was for NBC. It's called 17th Precinct. And it was a, it, it had several of the Battlestar actors like Jamie Bamber was in it. And I think, James Callis and um, probably one or two more. Uh, and it was about this police precinct in Manhattan, um, but in a world where everything's magic based and there is no technology. And, it, and it's, it was really cool. It's basically just, it's a police procedural, but w- where everything is magical. Like the ministry um, of magic for Harry Potter, basically. Exactly. It's like the, but it basically the parts of Harry Potter that I liked where they went into the real world. It's like that part of Harry Potter. Um, and, Sounds uh, like. Uh, did you guys ever watch Cast a Deadly Spell? Yes, oh. yes, I did. And, and there's a Cast Deadly Spell is also also Fred Ward, phenomenal yeah. in it. That movie's great, and they did a sequel which was less good called Witch Hunt. It was still interesting with Dennis Hopper in the role. Hmm. But it's basically H.P. Lovecraft as a as a private eye in the 40s. Oh, that's cool. That's kind of kind of like a little X Files, but uh, yeah, oh, I'm into that. And he's the only not. He everybody uses magic, but he doesn't use magic. He's an old fashioned detective. Um, it's great. I, yeah, it was Fred Ward and what, Penelope Ann Miller, maybe or Julianne Moore. One, one's in one, one's uh, in the other. Clancy's in that one too, right? Clancy Brown. Yeah, yeah Clancy Brown. Yeah. I feel like David Warner's the bad. We're just talking about dead people. Um, but yeah, it was. But anyway, all to say, going back to it, um, Tremors. I really wish I could have seen that pilot. Like, I like. I would have loved. I would love to see. I would. I would watch that series. And and. I and it is a franchise I would love to get back into. You know, I've, I've even pitched ideas to Universal. I was like, here's something we could do. Maybe they didn't go for it. Um, but I, you know, I love that. And there, a movie called Event Horizon. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we've is, talked about we, that. We've talked about there. at length. And, I, and, and it's funny because, you know, this is the movie that my wife and I, we met at college at the dining hall talking about this movie. We talked about it for three hours. And the other day, we actually had lunch with the writer. Uh, really? And told and told him that story, and you know, talked about Event Horizon and all these other things. And I just think that's such a rich world. I would love to get back, love to get back into that. Um, but you know, I don't control it, and I, I can't. So I will continue to make orphan pictures. Um, and and yeah, no, I, it's funny because I used to when I was growing up, I loved horror movies. I love. I, I watched any horror. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and I but, saw Leprechaun in the theater together. We did. We yeah. did. It was a, it was a magical time. Yeah, I think we were twelve, maybe thirteen at the time. Old enough to know better, frankly. But, <laughs> but, but yes, no, I don't think so. I we saw a lot of like just ridiculous movies together at that Oceanside sure. movie theater. That we is did now like a bull weevil or something. I'm not sure what it is. No, it's a red lobster. Now I have no idea what it is. It's a lateral move, really. Yeah, um, but it is interesting how like the fandom that that you had when we were growing up has now it's it, you still have it. You're like, but now you just make money off of it, which is great. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you don't but uh sometimes you make look this is what, I, this is what I, like, I said this to a buddy of mine who worked on that movie amsterdam um i was like look all you can do is try to make a good movie and also hope people see it and sometimes you only get one of those things sometimes you get none of those things sometimes you get both of those things but all you can do is try and try and make something good and maybe it'll be good and you can and, and, and even if it is great even if it's great like nice guys and maybe nobody sees it so you know 
or or doesn't now now a lot of people see it now everybody's like whoa how come you didn't make more of those i'm like because you only just watched it on netflix i feel like that's like a, a daily conversation that brad and i have that nice guys needs to have some follow-ups sooner than later i i have a crazy idea to do it as a tv series but let's see what happens oh, uh, so but good. but we will i think make more orphans i mean my the thing that we're you know I heard the pitch for it, which is really interesting. I kind of want to do also. I'm I'm of the mind that because they're like, well, she died. You can't do movies that take place after the first movie. It can only be prequels. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, like they brought like you know, Chucky comes back. Every Michael Myers comes back. Everybody comes back. Just you know, whatever. We can come up with a cool a cool way to bring her back. A little supernatural aspect wouldn't kill it, but it might too at the same time. It might. I mean, it's it's it, like you got you got to be prepared for that. What is the last movie? <laughs> so yeah, well, I, don't well, wanna, well, I don't want to spoil it for Brad, but Brad, when you watch Halloween Ends, it's just like, wait, what? Huh? What's going on here? <laughs> like it, right. it was one of the. It's so weird. Like I can't tell if I disliked it or liked it. It was just, and I'm all for the weird. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like if if you take a franchise and you throw it on its head and just make it totally obscured and maybe not what it's been in the past, I'm for that. I don't know how I feel about that newest Halloween entry because nothing's really established in the the first one of this new trilogy into the second one into this, so it feels a little kind of like thrown in per se. I want to say. It almost feels like it was a script that somebody had written. It was a different movie, and they're like, "Ooh, what if we attacked on some Halloween stuff to it?" Yeah, like it's yeah. like instead it's like, I mean, you haven't seen it, so I'm sorry. But it's like basically like, what if it's like kind of an incel-y movie, and then they're like, but what if there's also Michael Myers? I guess instead of you know just swap that out for whatever else was going on in the original. It shot well. There's some really rad direction in it. Oh, um, it, I, I, it's the best looking of all of them. Like, I, like there's like a scene early on where people are just like just talking in the woods. I'm like, wow, this is we were both remarked like this is really good. I, I want to watch it with you, Brad, because I know that the first 10 minutes something shocking happens but it's so funny the way that it shot like i laughed so hard that it's was really clear that was not their intention i can I, I can tell you oh i know it's supposed <laughs> to be shocking like oh my god that really just happened but i laughed so hard the way that it looked and it was just like wait what what did that really yeah. just happen um as long as it's better than halloween kills that's all that matters it's very different from halloween kills halloween i would kills say it's definitely better it's definitely better because that halloween kills i mean Come, I mean, coming off the first movie, which was so good, I was like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. And apparently the whole end of the first movie was reshot. Like, the whole end of it where the, the, the house was like a trap and stuff like that, that was all reshot. And I was like, oh, well, that's the best part of the movie, so good work. Sometimes reshoots work. Um, and then the second movie, yeah, I just went off the rails. It, it could have been good. but yeah. well, I mean, the one thing, because I just watched uh, the 2018 recently, the one great thing is if you want to disregard these new sequels, you totally can because it does end perfectly and wraps everything up for yeah. for uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and the whole Michael Myers story. If it was a one-off, it, it would have been a perfect one-off. Like, well, okay, that's yeah. that's rad. Now, of course, the studios are like, no, let's keep it going. And of course, we're inevitably going to get a reboot. I'm sure at some point. But um, yeah, the, the these last two were kind of. I, I feel that the second one did that thing. Like, let's up it. Let's up the gore. Let's just make mm -hmm. the kills more interesting and not really focus on story. Uh, whereas Halloween ends just becomes just a mishmash of, I don't, it, it's like John Carpenter's greatest hits. I want to say, huh. um, I would agree, but can you, okay. Phenomenal. Can I just, can we just, the, the I'm going to talk about the end of the movie, not just, literally just the final, like 30 seconds of the movie, which is just a bunch of still shots from around this house. I'm like, is that a callback to like 
the like another to one of the other movies. It's like what is, and then it just goes to credits. I'm like, what is happening here? Uh, they did that in the first film. Did uh, they? Okay, great. Thank yeah, you. I was just like, Michael I was just fell off the balcony. They do all these like kind of random shots of the stairs, and it's very still and the living room. And this is not a spoiler. It's literally just there's a bunch of still shots of a, a, interior of a house, and I'm like, and then it just goes to credits. I'm like, oh, we actually were like. We were like, we were like, did we miss something? We rewound it. <laughs> what what is happening? I do is it like, like it... house is a character type stuff. I guess, because, I guess, I mean, or like, it's everybody guess so. really watches Halloween for the house. You know what it's I mean? Like, That's it's what's real the house most porn. memorable thing. You're like, just get these bodies out of here. I want to see the house. There is, oh, and there actually is a, a beautiful shot of this house in the opening with the stairway going like up three levels, like they shoot it from below. It's really great, as you say, incredibly much. Maybe it's the same DP. I have no idea, but it's shot so well. This movie. I mean, I was kind of, I felt misled though. After seeing the trailer, I was like, Oh God, are they going to scale it back? And literally the whole movie is just Lori and Michael in this house, which I would have loved like just like yeah. a, a, a homicidal maniac home alone. It's a good that idea. Would been, it would have been great. I think they could have done it that way. They didn't. Uh, again, Brad, when you watch it, you're going to be like, huh, huh. And huh. It's, yeah, a, it's a hum movie. I just need to know: Does evil die tonight? Actually, there's an amazing bit. There's an amazing bit of like graffiti. You probably saw this too, Ken. There's an amazing bit of graffiti that they highlight. It said, "Love lives today." I don't think I noticed that. <laughs> and, the, and we were both like, "God damn it!" Evil I mean, I dies tonight, but love yeah. lives today. I, I don't think this is a spoiler. I just love that the dudes that are in uh, band at the high school are the bullies. That made me laugh so hard. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. 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 That was. <laughs> like, that was. That was. I was like, you know, you don't. You don't see that, and I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a modern era. You know, maybe yeah. the band kids are cool now. I don't know, but well, maybe they're not even cool. They're just still they're jerks. Yeah. No. No. But uh, I, I will say this though: the acting in that movie was really good, and that kid who plays Corey Cunningham. Yeah, I'd never seen that guy before. He was really good. Yeah. We were trying to figure out who he looked awesome. like. This is we were, we were like I was like we went back and forth forever. I, I was like. I think he looks like Hugh Dancy. She's like, no, he looks like that guy from Apollo 13 and How to Make an American Quilt, which we figured out was Lauren Dean. Oh, we also said anyway. that 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 redheaded kid that was in um, Byzantium and oh, he's been in a couple things, which if you haven't seen that, it's a Neil Jordan vampire movie that's not Interview with a Vampire. By- Byzantium? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've never, I didn't, I did not see that movie. It's oh, the one with Gemma Arterton. Yeah, and it's, it's like Shorsha Shor- Shor- Ronan. The, the name that no one can pronounce correctly. I just nailed Shor- it. Shorsha. Shor- I did it. Shorsha. Shor- 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 just pretend it's X's. Shorsha. <laughs> now, I, there was something I think I was texting you about uh, a couple weeks ago about versus movies. You know, yes. now, we started, it was like, what if what if you did Esther versus like Webster or like, let's get all the the, the actors that look like that their kids, but their adults are. Yes. Obviously, rest in peace, Gary Coleman. But that would have been great during this. And time. probably Emmanuel Lewis too. I assume he's also he must be dead. No, he's still alive. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry, Emmanuel. Hey, uh, no, I tell you what, we have had sincere conversations with um, uh, Don Mancini about oh, can God. we can we do <laughs> like not now? We got to. It's got to be later down the road. Like <laughs> down the road. This is Chucky. But like we're like at some point, I think we'd be all on board. Again, we, we really got to, you know, play out a few more of our ideas on the franchise that we places we want to take. Because once you go there, you can't go back to just like a regular type movie. No, look, I love versus movies. I, I, I like like I'm, I'm an apologist for Alien versus Predator. Um, I, I actually think that's pretty good. Not the sequel. Brad, 
Brad the first two thirds it. of that movie yeah. are awesome. The last think, third of that movie is just a nightmare. <laughs> I even I like it. Like it takes her from like she starts out Sonal Ethan as like you know super corporate buttoned up, you know straight hair, and by the end she's like her hair's all frizzy and she's all like just you know become more like primal. It's I was really cool. Um, Once I, the the alien shield and spear thing happens, that's when it yeah. just falls yeah. off the rails. If that didn't actually exist in the show, like if she had just found a way to survive not be right. like ah, i'm the predator guy in the neighborhood and i'm friendly check it out um <laughs> that whole scene destroys the movie for me because if it didn't exist the rest of the movie is fine right like if there was no team up she was still kind of fending off both species yeah it would have been it would have been like you, you paul anderson made this what he hasn't made a decent movie since event horizon so what happened here but i will say uh, he gave us slow motion face huggers, and that alone is worth <laughs> the movie for sure. I I think like for for like basically a PG thirteen you know movie that's like ninety minutes. I feel like they did a pretty good job. Like the opening shot of that movie where it looks like it's an alien queen head, and then you reveal it's just a satellite over Earth. I was like solid, solid gold stuff. Um, but yes, I the sequel by the Strauss brothers is just, which just takes place in Colorado, and there's a whole sequence in like a sporting goods store. It, <laughs> I mean, I was like, and that's if is... you can see it. If I remember right, the movie is extremely yes. dark. Yes. Well, it's also a lot of member berries in it. you like, hey, do you remember the sound of the radar gun when the aliens are getting close? Yes. Well, they don't have that radar gun in this movie, but we're going to put it in the background just so you remember that there's aliens <laughs> coming. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like the elevator doors are the sound of like the cryopods opening from aliens and things <laughs> yes. like that. It's yes. I was like, what? Oh, and also the super gross. Sorry, now we're just dunking on this other movie. Super gross bit where they have the, um, the, uh, it's like, this, it's, they call it the, in the script, it's called the Predalien, which is a, an alien that burst out of a predator and has the ability to like pump a bunch of alien babies into pregnant women's stomachs. It's disgusting. And I was like, this is not cool. Like, why are you doing this? Like, what is the point? It's not even. It's not scary. It is literally just gross. Um, anyway, but I do think team up movies versus movies are fun. Oh, look, I probably told you this. I, I pitched and try, but I could because it's two different studios could never get it on board. I wanted to do a Die Hard Lethal Weapon movie. Oh, I had this drunken so epiphany good. one night, and then the next day I come in to see the guy I worked for at the time, Joel Silver, who produced both of those movies, and it was like, "Look, here's this, here's the premise." Well, I want to set the scene though. I, w- I want you yes. to still be slightly drunk with a bottle on with the six pack in your hand. All right, it's all silver. Door, door no. flies open as you're shooing off his assistant. No, I, no it's, I don't need to shoo off his assistant. I just go into his office. Uh, I have my office is next to his. I, uh, and, but no, I waited. To, I actually waited because I was like, this is such a good idea. I'm not going to email it to him tonight. I'm going to write down this idea and I'm going to think about it. And then when I'm sober tomorrow, I'm, then I will look at it again. <laughs> and if it's still good, then I will talk to him about it. And the idea that I had was basically the basically Al Powell is chief of the police, uh, chief of police in LA, and he's killed. He's investigating something. He's looking into something that gets him killed, and so it brings John McClane back to LA, and you know, and, and he has to take a little visit to Nakatomi Tower. But he finds that you know whatever uh, Al Powell had been investigating, which would have been tied to Shadow Company from Lethal Weapon One. Um, leads him to, he needs to find Martin Riggs. But Martin Riggs is long retired. Nobody knows where he is. So he goes to Danny Glover. And so John McClane and Murtaugh have to work together for a bit. Then they ultimately do find Riggs. 
And the three of them, you know, have to do this action sequence in Nakatomi Plaza, probably something that takes them back to New York. So they're now they're on McLean's t- home turf. It would have been awesome. And really, the, it would have made a billion dollars. Um, and all you need in that movie is you need uh, John McClane saying, uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. And you need to have Mel Gibson saying, you become a motherfucker. And that's it. There it is. Just for the taglines. That's it. <laughs> that's anyway. Obviously, it was impossible because both studios were like, no. I will not if they give us the rights for free or whatever, because one is Warner Brothers and one of the other is Fox, and it just it didn't pan out. I, but I would have. I want to see this movie now. That's not. That is not a bad idea. <laughs> Wait, is that a lot? That's is that a lost uh, uh, cup you have there? The what you're drinking of? No, it's uh it's it's uh, no, it's not. It's uh, Samuel Smith, uh, an English uh, an okay. English beer 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 maker. Oh, I thought it was the the symbol from Lost. The um... Uh, oh, the Dharma Initiative. Yes, I've not it them. Forever. Here, I'll turn it. I'll turn it. Okay, <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, I saw the bottom there. But uh, yes, uh, but no. I would. I love a team up. I would love to. I would love to actually work on something where you can bring like two characters. Like I thought, Freddy versus Jason had good stuff in it. I'm so mad they never made Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Like the comic book is awesome. Yeah, but, you, I, you would have like this this great kind of like dynamic with having Ash kind of be your conduit to the the fight. But watching him with like the Scooby Doo gang following him along the whole time would have been just really slowly getting picked off. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I I would be definitely into that if they can get Robert England to do one more Freddy movie. I think that's kind of we need that swan song, and I think there is a renaissance like, like yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and whatnot. Um, but Brad and I have talked about this. Like Mike Flanagan, whoo, doing a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. We need that. We need that. I mean, Hellraiser is coming back. Like, why not? I lo- I liked the new Hellraiser. I thought it was well done. I, I you know, I, I thought it had some cool stuff on. in it. And like, you know, I, it's really kind of just building on. Can we all just agree that the first Hellraiser is actually not that great? It mostly just it takes place in the house in England with some weird, some weird lumpy English people just kind of you know killing each other. The sequel is really where Hellraiser Two Hellbound is really where it's at. I mean, the mythology that is built in that movie and the scale of it. I, I don't even understand how like. How they could go from like such a little first movie to this second movie, which is it is the aliens of like that franchise. It's really, really good. Hell- Hellraiser two, and and really all the things we like about Hellraiser really do come from Hellraiser two. You have to watch Hellraiser two in order to really get the new one because it's yes. it leans pretty hardcore in the lore. It does, but it actually does some clever stuff with the mythology, uh, and, and like just when they come up with like. We, you know, well, I, I don't want to spoil it. Anyway, whatever. Go watch the movie. Go watch the movie, everybody. And so the thing is, pause it now. Go watch that movie on Hulu, directed by David Bruckner. I, um, I haven't seen it yet, so hopefully this doesn't spoil anything for me. I know it's just the it's end. Good. At the end, where she's like, "You've chosen the lament configuration," and I was like, "Oh, that's a that's a, what a nice little way to pay that off, because that is the name of the box." And like and now Incorrect. we understand. <laughs> Is it not? Is it called the Uh-oh, Spittlefields? Here we go. Well, the, the, the well actually Clyde Barker fan. It's La Marchand. La Marchand configuration is oh. the name of the box. The Lament configuration is just that particular oh, configuration. Oh, is that shape? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, I did not know that. And I thank you for, for, for correcting me because I, I don't know. But either way, well, somebody who didn't know got a lot out of it. Brad, I just thought of the mom from Better Off Dead just now going, Franch fries. Franch fries. <laughs> and a bottle of Peru. Franch dressing. <laughs> but to, I think this is the, the one thing that 
David Bruckner did that was really cool about the new Hellraiser is they they gave names to all the configurations because we've only really seen the mm-hmm. lament in, yeah. in all of the movies, right? Just because the limitations and whatnot, but they really, really beefed up all of that stuff and then gave them specific names. But I yeah. love how there's like um consequences to each configuration. And we'll yes. leave it at that. Yeah, no, it was really. I, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in it. I was I was very uh, pleasantly surprised. How's the gore level in it? Because my wife and I were like, I think we watched the trailer together. She's she's not huge into horror, but like I think she might be kind of sold on it. Is it is it it's not too really bad? Like the original? No, I actually think bad. it's not particularly gore. It's certainly no more gory than like Prey. Oh, she liked Prey, so yeah. the of you. Yeah, I think it's it, okay. it's probably at the same level as that. There's only like one character that has some weird stuff going on. And I'm trying to make this as vague as possible because it is a spoiler alert. Um, but there is one character that's got some weird shit going on that could be kind of gory. But mm. it's really more or less thinking about what's happening to this character is the gory. You don't actually really see a whole lot of it. Now, we're not dealing with like Uncle Frank and all that stuff. Like this is a completely new story, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Is it more uh, in akin to the uh, original short story or fully new thing, but pays oh, okay. homage to everything. Now, is it connected to the original movies at all? Yes. It, oh, it, it is. Again, you have to watch oh, Hellraiser cool. 2 in order to really understand yeah. what's oh, going yeah, on. Yeah, I, I imagine if you've watched this by itself, you'd be like, oh, I'm, that's, weird. that's weird that those things are appearing. What do you, what do you think that thing is? All right, well, that's well, very weird. This, so like <laughs> yeah. the, the cool thing that the new Candyman did was framed that every generation has its Candyman. Oh, and by the way, I fucking love the new Candyman. Just dropping that in there. Anyway, continue. I'm glad you finally got to it because I love that they did that thing where they lean into the the uh, the legend of Candyman, but they don't lean so hard onto it that it drives the whole picture. But we still get dude from OG Candyman in it, but in such a such a tasteful way. Um, Yeah. But I was curious if if that's what new Hellraiser is like. It's kind of no, like no, absolutely okay. not. <laughs> no. Nope, it's basically it's his own thing, and also builds on the mythology, and it's all new characters. And but I, it was good. I I don't know who anybody in the cast is other than Gordon Vujinich and Jimmy Clayton. So it's, so it's like Jumanji. All right, cool. It is honestly yes. Honestly, it is like Jumanji. <laughs> that's uh, the only thing I can compare to right now. I don't. Um, I'm gonna do something that Brad loves that Take I do almost. Yeah, I'll pause it since you have a. Esther-sized bladder. <laughs> Esther can hold it, guys. See what I did there? See what Cano- I did canonically, there? Esther can hold it. Just FYI. Oh shit! Called out <laughs> by a fake twelve-year-old. Or I hate all. I hate all of you. Let's do it. Yeah. And we're back. You know, Brad. This happened. How was so that, often. by the way? It was amazing. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like you need to compose a pee break song. Maybe we could have that in future episodes. Uh, no, I don't want to encourage. I do not want to encourage poor behavior. <laughs> you know it's going to happen. <laughs> As Brad hydrates, look at him hydrating yes. over there. Good the, the one responsible one in this this episode. So you Guys, think it's, it's, it's a Saturday afternoon. I'm actually fine. on mescaline and acid <laughs> and all sorts of different things. That's fun. Well, actually, <laughs> you're actually dreaming all of this right now. None of this has happened. <laughs> I can't wait to wake up and realize we got to do it all over again. Good work, <laughs> Brad's, Brad's wife walks in the room. What are you doing? I'm podcasting. You're staring at the wall, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you're, you're talking, sitting on the toilet, sir. I'm talking to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that episode of um, Last Man on Earth where 
he's watching Castaway. Oh, this is so unrealistic. Uh, this would never not gonna happen. happen. Not gonna yeah. happen. And he's got like thirty <laughs> balls in the bar. Steve, you okay? Everything you want another drink? Um, but yeah, since we're we're in the the vein of spooky season, Brad, kind of the same question that I asked Ethan. If you could think of, and I know you're all about new stuff, like let's keep it new and fresh, but if there was a franchise that could get rebooted, is there anything specifically you'd like to see kind of a fresh take on? No. <laughs> Everyone did it perfectly already. Yeah. Look, I'm with, by the way, I'm with you. Like it's, it's, I like, I like new content. Like as much as I like Hellraiser and Halloween and Orphan for Skill, uh, you know, and pray new stuff is good too. Well, oh, for sure. that's, that's something I actually kind of want to ask you guys is because it seemed like we were inundated with uh, quote unquote elevated horror, right? The hereditaries, the Midsommar, which mm-hmm. lighthouse, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that seems like there's like this cerebral huge, horror. Yeah. yeah what, whatever you want to call it, whatever. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I enjoy it for sure. But it seems like there is like a resurgence into just the crazy wacky shit of the eighties. Um, malignant for one. Yes. Uh, Barbarian. You mm-hmm. brought up Smile earlier. Uh, I would kind of actually put First Kill into the same category. I would too. Bit. It basically, even though it's a prequel, honestly, the majority of the people who watch the movie are not were not even aware until uh, that it was a prequel to another movie. They're just like, ah, here's this movie. Oh, but can I also just say, I forgot to mention this. My wife came up with a title because originally it was called Esther. And the studio was like, that just sounds, people are going to think this is about like an old woman in New York. And we're like, who's playing bridge? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we're like, no. And so, She's and a so lovely lady. She plays bingo on every Tuesday night. And, and so we came up with, we had all these titles like orphan, the beginning or orphan, orphan, Esther, you know, Esther's beginning or, you know, it was all terrible. Just the worst possible. Esther title begins. Ever. But technically it's not, it's not her first kill. Is no, she's to... actually killed already, but oh, Meredith, she kills like fucking three people in the yeah. first 10 seconds of the movie, man. Yeah. You know, but by the way, but by the way, lady dude... that, that kills people for candy. That's the prequel I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Can I, by the way, that was also a thing that we redid because originally she, there was a much more elaborate thing she had with that lady who kills people for candy. And like, the thing that she says to her, which we now just say is her name, but like originally, like there was a whole fucking thing. They were like, this does not track at all. Like it made perfect sense in the script. Then watching the movie, we're like, what were we thinking? Oh, Chad, no, I got your I got your versus movie now. The Candy Lady versus the Pancakes Kid from Cabin Fever. Oh, oh. <laughs> Sign the check now. I got you. <laughs> I uh, no, that would be that would be incredible. I'm sorry. I, I also just going back to the versus thing really quick. Yeah, I did. Sorry, I did man. pull out. Alien vs. Predator, the graphic novel, which is phenomenal from Dark uh, Dark Horse uh, Comics. Uh, let's look at the final the final thing. Oh, look, it's her, it's her teaming up with all the Predators. <laughs> oh, what? This, this, this is the end of the, the entire comic book. This is FYI. It's, a, we, it's canonical. We discussed during my, my pee break that that is the one from when you and I were young lads. And uh, Oh, yeah. If I, if I remember correctly, on your desk when we were kids, you had all, like, because you bought multiple action figures of the same action figure so you would have the scorpion yes. aliens there was like six of them and you fully had them like fighting all the marines on your desk if i, remember I did right. i did yeah. also it's weird to be a child and have a desk but yes i had a ju- my parents were psychopaths and they're like you should just have a full big desk for like doing work i'm like okay 
Uh, so yes, mostly it was populated with action figures. But I just want to point out, I'm eleven. I know you, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't have deadlines. Yeah, this is this is not a thing for me. Uh, but I just want to point out that that it, canonically she does indeed team up with the Predator. Um, I'm aware. Hey, hey Brad, do you remember having action figures and probably only having one stormtrooper? Whereas like Ethan's like, no, I have to have a whole battalion of stormtroopers. So we're gonna buy the same action figure over and over again. Nah, I'm actually on Team Ethan on this one. My dad really? was a toy salesman. I had a shit ton of toys. Your dad was a toy salesman? Yeah. How have we just gotten to this? I don't know, but it's true. Well, didn't, didn't you work for like Hasbro and Mattel at one point? I did work at Mattel. I did Comic Con right. for Mattel one time. I'm very jealous. You know what? I don't think you've ever told us on air, and I think you should. It's time. Oh, yeah. I think it's time for the Rosario Dawson story. The Rosario Dawson story? Please. Oh, it's embarrassing. It. It's amazing, though. For her please. or for you? Uh, <laughs> definitely for me, for sure. Please, please tell it. It's so okay. good. Okay. It's so good. So it was actually the first time that I went to Comic Con. I was working for Mattel, and working Comic Con is very very different from being a, a patron of comic-con yeah. uh it's very very fast-paced it's it's super super hard work and people are fucking weird okay super weird uh so anyway we i can't remember what it was that mattel specifically had but it was a naruto figure that was like their exclusive for this time i can't mm-hmm. remember what year this was and then um the man bat that was designed by some crazy group that called the Four Horsemen. Anyway, <laughs> this is all superfluous. The whole reason is, is that they had boxes and boxes and boxes of these exclusives that we had to rip through because people were buying them as quickly as you could, you know, whip them out. So they didn't supply us with any box cutters. All I had was a pen that I kept using, opening this box, right? You didn't, um, you didn't even have like, a, like one of those plastic knives from the... Uh... From like a plastic butter knife from the concession stand? No. Like uh, the funny thing is, I literally have like it's been a, a decade plus since I've actually worked for Mattel, but I actually have little razor blades that are em- uh, emblemed with the Mattel from working <laughs> from there. I, I have like a big bag of them for some reason. I don't know why, but I didn't have them. Just to leave a crime scenes. Yeah. <laughs> you could have saved her. Mattel guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're like a shitty Batman. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm opening these boxes with my pen and I don't notice along the line somewhere that I had actually clipped the top of this pen off and I was just putting it behind my ear because, you know, we're, we're moving pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. So... I clipped the top of the pen off and all of a sudden I've got ink just down the side of my face on my shirt. And I have no idea it's there, like none whatsoever. And it gets to the point where I finally get to take a lunch, which was also super nice when you got to it working Comic Con. And I just went across to the, uh, the street to a place that's called Tin Fish, but it's not called Tin Fish anymore. It actually is it not called Tin Fish. We always like, call it Tin Fins. Like two months ago, somebody bought it out and they rebranded it. But everybody everybody will probably still call it the Tin Fish. It's a hopping place. It's busy as fuck every single Comic-Con. But I got there at like just the perfect time. There was a nice little lull. Could get a beer and a a couple of fish tacos. And when I go through there, I run into Rosario Dawson, who is just breathtakingly beautiful in person. Like, whoa. Whoa. And I'm kind of having like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know what I mean? 
And so what's like, up? <laughs> what are you uh, doing here? Comic-Con, huh? Yeah. yeah I'm look at, look at these nerds over here, right? <laughs> so what are you doing later? <laughs> but so she like kind of like starts leaning her head a little bit and then like kind of reaches out and she's like, you have ink all over the side of your face. And that's when I f- noticed that. <laughs> At no point almost. walking through the entire convention hall across the street passing all of those people none of the none of the religious people with the signs said anything to you no they none probably just that. thought i was cosplaying as something <laughs> everybody everybody's like he's like reverse domino like yeah <laughs> but so it's so rosario dawson is the one who is the one who informed you that you were in fact your face was covered in ink. yeah i mean it was worth it at the end of the day she did touch me yeah so. here's the thing it just goes to show that celebrities are just better than real people you know yeah. she she yeah. pointed it out to you she is she's yeah. definitely better than i am that's for sure they are godlike. Um, I'm so glad you finally told that story because I've heard this story multiple times and I feel like it needed to be shared with the, the rest of the world. Yeah. Thank you. Incredible. You're welcome. Thank you for your That's... service. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can think of no better way to end this episode than, than with that story. <laughs> it's kind of hard to top it. because I, yeah. I, 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 I got nothing that beats that. Uh, I still go to no, therapy no, for it. So. Ethan, you do. You literally had... Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s power shut off by accident. So it, you guys are neck and neck. It was, it was gas. It was gas. Whatever. The guy couldn't make a, you know, a frittata if he wanted to because of you. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is true. This I is think, true. I think we've touched all bases, guys. I think we did it. We came back. I came, I came back from adulting hard. Brad came back from adulting hard. Still Ethan adulting. Just, mm-hmm. you, Ethan just looks good. He's sitting there in his study. I, I feel like you that's think your I, study. You think I want this power? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I got. Yeah, with great power. Yeah. Well, but thank you for having me on. And, and, Comes and a, I would a say great again. Man bun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Look, look, I haven't gotten a haircut since like, uh, what, the February of, uh, 2020. <laughs> yeah, February 2020, I'd say. And I'm going to let it ride. I was thinking about it last night. I'm like, do we do five years? Do I let it go for five years, three years? I don't know. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. We're coming up on three, so <laughs> might as well, well let it ride. Where where can uh, the peeps out there in the world catch your your film Orphan First Kill? Uh, Orphan First Kill is on Paramount Plus, and if you don't have Paramount Plus, you can rent it on Amazon, Apple, or any of your other uh, streaming services. Is there anything else you want to pump up that's coming out soon that you've worked on? Uh, that's really the, the kind of the big one, but we're we're in the process of uh, you know putting together a few other ones. So I think next time we chat, uh, have more to talk about. If it's Pootie Tang 2, you were on instantly, dude. We are ready for it. <laughs> look, look, I got Lance Crowther on speed dial. We're doing it. <laughs> we're in, dude. We're in. Yeah. Uh, Ethan, thanks for coming on to the show. Uh, always a delightful. Thank you again. On your... Oh, heck yeah. And more importantly, I still love you. Love you too. I still love you like the, the, the way I did when I was 12. That just sounds weird now. No, no, no. It's honest. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I do love you, Dad. I'm, I'm, thank you for coming on the, on the show. Yeah. And congratulations to you on everything. Yeah. No, let's party. Let's party next time you yeah. come down to San Diego. We'll, we'll do what old guys do. Let's um, go buy some Dockers and play golf. That's 100% what I love doing. So Yeah, you, you look like it. that type of guy. I think Brad wants to play I'm golf sure right now. Absolutely not. No? No <laughs> Dockers for you or golf? Uh, no. <laughs> gonna pass no <laughs> i'll meet up with you guys at the clubhouse how about that okay cool great <laughs> brad's there with his little drink with the uh, umbrella in it just, just relaxing in the sun i appreciate that's, that that's my that's my speed 
if you are a fan of our podcast, uh, rate, like, subscribe, all the things. We're on Instagram at Reviews Brews, Twitter, Reviews Brews Pod, Facebook. We don't even look at that. Ethan, you want to give the final word of this episode? Oh, boy. I mean, other than, other than we're, you know what, we've known each other for a long time. And uh, I'm glad we're all still here. And uh, congratulations again on getting married. Thank you. That was very dark. Like we're all going to die pretty soon, but thank you for the second half. No, no, no. You got a good, you got it in five, seven years. You're fine. Have you seen my hairline? It's not good. It's not good. Me either. That's why you got to do this. You have a, no, I can't even do a back bun. It's (laughs) just not going to happen. I'm going Jean Luc cul-de-sac. It's pretty much just like, you know, that's all we have here. It's it's not to cover up here. This is just functional now. I got to keep warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is just to maintain head warmth. Pretty much, but yeah, I love you, man. <laughs>